Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Stockman. Now that we're in the thick of the NFL season, I wanted to revisit an organization I talked to in March, the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. In March, I spoke to Justine Campfer, Museum Programs Assistant at the Packers Hall of Fame. Justine helped me get in contact with Brent Hensel, today's guest and the curator for the Packers Hall of Fame. If you're an avid listener, you've heard Brent's name a couple of times. He's also worked at the Patriots Hall of Fame and is friends with Brian Morey, my guest on episode 4. My friend and colleague Sean Flynn will be helping me out this week with the overtime segment. He's the biggest Packers fan I know, and he'll be talking about Curly Lambeau, a legendary figure in pro football and Packers history. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brent. Well, today on Hallowed Ground, I'm talking to Brent Hensel, curator at the Packers Hall of Fame. Brent, how are you? Doing well, thank you. So I usually start out with guests about their background, and we'll get to that later, but I wanted to talk about your title, curator, and like what that word actually means, and how would you define curator or curation? I guess I look at it as, in my role, is kind of preserving uh, the history of the Green Bay Packers, uh, really, not just even for our museum, the Packers Hall of Fame, but for the entire organization. We have like such a storied history. And so I try to, I guess, try to save that history with whatever it might be, but artifacts. I'm always trying to get the organization to think about little things that may not even pertain to football because it's so evolving around here with, we have our title town district, the stadium now, at least pre-COVID, we would host concerts and stuff like that. So if somebody, I guess an entertainer comes to perform at the our storied Lambeau Field venue, then I'm trying to get them to let's let's save something from preserve something from that. And so sometimes that can be a little more tricky um, to get other departments and uh, other people in the organization um, to think that way. But I will say the Packers are are great about they know that the history and the tradition is really what makes the Green Bay Packers special. And so we're pretty, I guess, cognizant of that, whether it comes to the Packers Hall of Fame, but like other projects that I've been involved with, including like a documentary and our history book is our long awaited history book is getting close to being finished. Yeah, those sound like really neat projects and just the preservation aspect, I think, is really important. And you all do have that rich history going back about 100 years. Is that right? Right. Over 100 years. Yeah. And obviously all these famous figures and Vince Lombardi, Brett Favre, now Aaron Rodgers, like, and not just them too. There's been hundreds of Packers players and front office staff and coaches, and that's a lot to preserve. So does it ever get like overwhelming where there's just like too much to go through? Uh, I I don't think so. I mean, uh, we, that's a good question. I I mean, there, no, I, I just, I think it just adds to everything. Yeah. Like you named a few names. I always like, you can say Vince Lombardi to he's been deceased now for over 50 years. And you can say Vince Lombardi to like any casual person on the street and they're going to have heard of Vince Lombardi. So I think that kind of uh, says it all how iconic a figure he is, not just uh, to the National Football League or the Green Bay Packers, but like to the sports world in general. Yeah. And the Packers definitely have that history and, I wanted to get into your background too and find out kind of how you got to where you are now with the Packers. And I know you started out as an intern at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 
And so what was that experience like? And did you always know that you wanted to work in museums? I did not know. I'll even take it. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame really got me headed into my the direction I am now. Um, but I'll, I'll even take it a step back when I, I always have loved history. Um, it's always been a passion. But uh, when I got my undergraduate degree, uh, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And the one thing I didn't want to do is, well, I viewed history as the only thing you can do is teach, which is really a false narrative. So I want to put that out there. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to teach. So I can't really do history. So I, I did history like kind of as a minor and I did business and I'm like, oh, I'll just figure whatever. You know, when you're young, you don't know what you want to do. Uh, and I'll go in some direction with business. And when I was close to graduating with my bachelor's degree, uh, I, I kind of like, oh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have done something with history. Maybe I should have been a, uh, a teacher. So, and then when I started doing interviews, I quickly kind of realized, yeah, this like business marketing, it's, it's not really for me. And so then I went back and started working on my master's and I was going to go into teaching and uh, that was kind of short-lived. I did teach high school social studies for a few years um, and had a bad experience where I was at. And then I'm like, well, what else can I do with history? And, and one of my professors in my graduate program got me into public history and how there's history in a lot of, you know, even corporations have, they have curators or archivists that save their history. And then of course there's like uh, sports museums, which we're, what we're talking about today. So I, I did a number of internships and the, the big one again was the internship with the Pro Football Hall of Fame that kind of really opened my eyes and, and got me excited. I didn't directly go into sports museums at that point. Um, I kind of went actually back towards the education where uh, I was a director of a boys and girls club in my hometown where uh, I've always, I, I've liked the teaching aspect or, or working with youth. And then out of the blue, uh, the New England Patriots decided to build a Hall of Fame. And my mentor at the Pro Football Hall of Fame recommended an number of former interns. And I was fortunate enough to get that job. Um, so then I got to help create uh, the Patriots Hall of Fame. And I was out there for uh, seven years. And as you know, they're a pretty successful franchise also. And then uh, eventually I got the opportunity to come home. I am from Wisconsin, born and raised, grew up a Packers fan. And so I jumped at that. And uh, I guess I've been with the Packers now uh, coming up almost eight years now. Awesome. Yeah, I talked to Brian Morey with the Patriots Hall of Fame on my fourth episode. And he, I think your name got brought up too. So like, what was that process of kind of creating that out of nothing? Because they have all that history even before the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era, but how did that creation process come about with the Patriots? Sure. Uh, yeah, Brian and I know each other very well. My former boss, um, still a good friend. Basically, well, so the Patriots history is a little different than the Packers. Mm -hmm. uh, they only date back to the 1960s, but it's still pretty interesting um, with the AFL and the beginnings of that. Um, but a lot of their successful history is more recent it's all in the last uh, since the Kraft family took over um, in the 90s um, they've been successful and been to Super Bowls um, but they then really started winning championships in the Kraft Belichick era so there was obviously a lot of 
preservation and artifacts from the last, uh, I guess, 20 years when I first came aboard. But the challenging aspect was then presenting the early history from the first, uh, from the 60s going forward, the Sullivan family that had first owned the Patriots uh, really didn't save stuff. I mean, people that it's pretty typical to an organization. They don't think about, oh, we need to preserve our history and you need to save this. I was actually uh, recently talking um, to the Milwaukee Bucks who just won an NBA championship. I'm like, you really, you need to be saving, save all this stuff, save whatever you can get your hands on. Um, because when you, when you don't do it now, it's, it's a lot harder to go back. And so really what, what we had to do with the Patriots to get that early history is we had to go really like three avenues where the probably the biggest one, one is to, to the, go to the alumni and see what they had and what they had saved. And, and so that's where you're going to probably get your coolest or unique artifacts. But then we also even reached out to the fans and it's pretty amazing what the fans, the passionate fans save and preserve and, and stuff like that. And then that's kind of a, a mixed bag because you're looking for that treasure item that they might have saved. And unfortunately, you're going through maybe a lot of junk that I don't want to say is, you know, it's it's great to the fan, but maybe not necessarily uh, museum worthy and, and what we're looking for. That sounds like a really cool experience to be able to kind of build that museum from scratch and kind of work on those alumni folks and, and see what they have in the fans. And was it a similar experience with the Packers Hall of Fame? And I'm not sure where the timelines end up where you arrived and then was the museum or the hall of fame already here by the time you got here yeah i mean i've been pretty blessed because most curators don't get to help create their own uh, museums it's usually there and established now i guess the difference with the packers hall of fame it, we've actually uh we recently just a few years ago celebrated our 50th birthday uh, the packers hall of fame is probably i, I believe it's the oldest sports hall of fame um, in the United States, it's like the original one. Just a brief story background about that is there, there's a group that went to Vince Lombardi uh, in the 60s and said, we wanted to, we want to create a Packer Hall of Fame. And Lombardi is kind of famously for saying, okay, just stay the hell away from my players. And so they, they allowed them to do it. And it was actually uh, just temporary displays across the street in the old Brown County arena that has since been torn down. Um, but it was like a seasonal thing. And then it's moved to numerous locations where there eventually was a permanent site. Um, in 2003, it moved into Lambeau Field, into the atrium. And then basically where I come into play is, uh, it used to be kind of in the lower basement level. It's actually, it's currently now where our, our giant pro shop is. The organization wanted to move everything to a central location um, in our atrium where you could reach it. And so that's that's where, so the Packers Hall of Fame was basically moved. Uh, the space was reinvented. It's actually a smaller space, but it looks bigger because it's now on two floors or two levels. And it's just a, a more efficient use of the space. And so again, I actually got to help create and implement 
um, kind of a, a Packers Hall of Fame that existed before, but a, a new version of it. Yeah, I talked to your colleague, Justine, for my second episode, and that was really fun to hear how it was around in the 60s and this group kind of came about and that group is still in existence right and you work with them on the induction ceremony correct so yes the Packers Hall of Fame Inc or as we refer or Packers Hall of Fame Incorporated existed for over 50 years now they're like a great partner to us they actually put on the Packers Hall of Fame banquet that we just recently had uh, they put on a golf tournament, but they, mm-hmm. they help us preserve the history and a lot of the great historic artifacts we have on display in the Baggers Hall of Fame. Um, we wouldn't have uh, if it wasn't for their group and them them saving and going to Lombardi all, all these years back. Yeah, that's really neat. And I wanted to ask you about the induction ceremony. I saw a lot of it on social media and it looked well done. Uh, Al Harris and Charles Woodson were inducted this year. And I wanted to ask, like, what was your role in that? Because I think you you probably curated some artifacts pertaining to their careers. Was that right? Right. Okay. So uh, as I mentioned, we don't have a lot, actually, the Packers organization, other than it being in the atrium, we don't have a lot to do with the banquets itself. It's kind of nice, actually, we get to enjoy it. But uh, we do in the Packers Hall of Fame itself. Uh, we do a brief, we, we do a display for the two inductees that kind of highlights their career. And then, of course, they get uh, a bronze football. Um, that's kind of their Hall of Fame plaque. And that goes up on the next morning after the banquet. And then it, it's kind of interesting. This is kind of a unique year because it ties in to Charles Woodson. But typically, uh, he would go into the Packers Hall of Fame first and then uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but because of COVID, Packers Hall of Fame induction was delayed. And so we also have, we have a tradition of doing a special exhibit um, for all our Pro Football Hall of Fame inductees. And so we did a, a exhibit for both Bobby Dylan and Charles Woodson. And so the, the really cool aspect from my perspective was Charles uh, came in and looked at the exhibit really honoring him and just there's no greater I guess compliment than to, to see the person you're honoring kind of looking at um, the display and on and just reliving their their legacy yeah what a special moment that would have been that would be really cool both for him and for you as a Packers fan I'm sure that was cool you probably grew up watching Charles Woodson and those teams and I wanted to mention this earlier the two teams you've worked for Patriots and Packers they faced off in that Super Bowl back in the 90s so yes in 1996 right when I was working for the uh, Patriots in 2007 I thought they were headed to I was close to them playing again that's true oh yeah so just wanted to bring that up as an aside but I think that's uh, a really cool story with Charles Woodson the current season, we're talking, Britt and I are doing the interview on opening night of the 2021 season um, where the Buccaneers and Cowboys will face off. And so what what have you done like over the summer just to prepare for this current season? Is there a lot with the curation? Because I know the season hasn't started yet, but do you do preparation for the season beforehand or is it more during the season? I mean, I do look into potential like franchise records or NFL records that Uh, players might be approaching. I mean, I always kind of look at our public relations department does a good job of um, 
presenting that. So I'll look over some of the materials they come out for the media with. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is obviously a great example of that. I mean, he's always approaching different um, franchise and even NFL records. Devontae Adams has had uh, a couple kind of historic seasons for our franchise, which is really saying a lot um, because there's been a lot of great receivers too with the the Packers. But so we're always um, trying to uh, look at it from that uh, perspective. But it's kind of as it goes. So definitely like my typical role is during the season after the game, they're playing on Sunday, the next morning, I'm trying to look at something that represents that game, assuming they won. Side notes could be like if somebody set a record, but I'm looking for something to represent that win. And so I will make a, a couple requests. Um, that I send to our equipment, our longtime equipment manager, Red Batty, who's um, really great to work with. He, he's kind of an icon in himself. He's been with the Packers since I believe the early 90s. Um, and so he's lived all the history and he, he knows how important and special it is to preserve it. So he's, he's a great partner to work with. But then he'll request from the players themselves. Um, and then we see what we can get. But uh, it's become more challenging to preserve stuff and get stuff from the players because there's a big collector's market out there now. And so the stuff they wear is pretty valuable. Um, and the, I guess, uh, well, the uniform does belong to the team, but we do allow the players to buy their own uniform if they want. And then, of course, like the shoes and gloves you see that they wear on Sunday, um, they have they have deals with it's Nike or whatever, and then so that belongs to them, and it's up to them whether they 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 give or not. And so we we always try to sell them and promote them. We're trying to promote your legacy, um, just like the Packers, and save it. And then you could be a future Packers Hall of Famer someday, and we want to have something to display for you. Yeah, you kind of answered my next question for me, so thank you. I was going to ask how you work with the football and equipment staffs to get those things, and it's a simple request, but it's not always simple to get those items like you just were saying. So, yeah, I was curious about that myself, and is there a unique item, or like, what's the most unique thing that you all have um, as an artifact that belongs to a player, like besides like a glove or shoes? Uh, the most unique. Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Well, my one of my favorite historical items that we have on display is uh, that belongs to a player is a game worn jersey from Don Hudson, um, just because it's so rare, um, and he's sometimes overlooked. He's one of the great players in NFL history, not just Packers history. Right? You look at him statistically when they did not actually throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, It's like amazing. Like, I mean, at the time of his retirement, he held 17 NFL records. He still holds 11 NFL records today. Um, But his numbers would be, his receiving numbers um, in that era, it'd still be comparable today. And he'd like triple any other receiver from that, that era. I guess more recent stuff, I was fortunate to get stuff from each of like Aaron Rodgers Hail Marys so that's kind of that's pretty neat so like we have uh, Richard Rodgers like whole uniform um, from the first one in Detroit we have Jeff Janice's um, cleats 
um, from the Arizona playoff game. And then we have Randall Cobb's cleats from uh, the game against the New York Giants in the wild card playoff the following year. Cool. Yeah, there's too many of those to keep track of. It's cool that you all preserve the the Hail Marys. And that's what I remember um, about Aaron Rodgers the most throughout his career is those those long passes. And you have the, the artifacts from the um, receiving end, which I think is really neat. So. Yeah, definitely have to preserve those. And I wanted to ask too, I'm sure having a good team like the Packers have been over the past 15, 20 years, that probably helps interest in the Hall of Fame and interest in the artifacts, right? Not only in the collector, collector's market, but for you all at the Hall of Fame. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. As I've talked about my background, I've been fortunate enough to to work for two very successful franchises. And they're typically, I was just thinking about it actually, um, um, my team has been in the AFC or NFC championship game, like more than 50% of the time. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. And it helps to have two quarterbacks like Tom yeah. Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Um, but yeah, success. I mean, we, we definitely see it at the museum, you know, when the team's like rolling and heading towards like a 13 and three season, like there's definitely a lot of interest you know, in, in December and in January and people are excited and can't wait to see. But then when you have a, a more challenging season, like say in the past when Aaron Rodgers has been hurt or whatever, then yeah, I mean, it's just natural that people are not as, as excited and yeah. it, it can die off pretty quick. So we always hope that it's, it's February before it gets to more a slower period in the Packers Hall of Fame. I wanted to uh, ask you about your favorite exhibit that you've helped create and kind of talk about how you created that exhibit, because um, I'm curious about the process and then just which one was your favorite to work on over your time. That's really tough. I'm sure it I is. always like that. I like to say my favorite is the one I'm currently working on. Like. Yeah. Like when I, the first thought was like, I really enjoyed doing the Charles Woodson, Bobby Dylan one that I just recently did and the different layers to it. But I, it's hard to say, but like my favorite, one of my favorites is our ice bowl theater. So we, we kind of redid that when we renovated back in 2014, when I first started and uh, it's, but it's not just your typical theater where you, you go in, you really relive the ice bowl. Um, we wanted to give it kind of that three-dimensional aspect where, or 4D, uh, you go to a lot of places, whether it's like Disney or even other museums. Like I was at, I was at Mount Vernon for George Washington and I was in one of these theaters and it's, it's giving uh, the background on the American revolution and you're like seats moving okay. and you feel like water on your, the back of your neck and all that. And I'm like, so how can we, how can we make the ice bowl come alive for the visitor? And, and the obvious, you obviously think right away, well, let's make it colder. So you would go in and it would actually get colder in there. And, um, but we were pumping in cold air. And one of the issues we discovered was it was leaking down below into our pro shop. And so eventually we had to shut it off. Um, and it still, there was, you could, it still was like kind of snowing in there with projections and stuff like that. But we, so I learned from that, you want to stay away from that. Although I will say that, so the theater is back in a corner 
And I don't know if it's just where it is, but it does seem colder when you go in there, but there isn't any cold air. But what we came up with was uh, there's three mannequins in, and there's a seating area like you're going to sit at Lambeau Field um, at the time. So there's benches and you sit with two fans. And then on the, uh, in the side, there is um, a player, Dave Robinson, that's, that's sitting on the bench and they actually kind of tell their story. Um, so you get different perspectives. And also out of these mannequins is um, cold air breathing. And so it looks like you're, you're actually, it, it kind of gives you that element of what it was like to be at the ice bowl. So all these fans are all bundled up. And, and so it really, my goal is always to help our visitors kind of relive great memories and the moments, those historical moments in time. Yeah. And when I talked to Justine in episode two, she mentioned like a lot of the interactive elements, like the Vince Lombardi desk and some other touchscreens that you all have. And as a curator, that probably seems really neat to have that technology. And then you can pair it with like the actual jersey or the actual um, photograph or something like that. Right. So can you talk about your job as it relates to technology? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, it has to be a balance. You have to have technology. I mean, that's kind of what the world we live in. And it's always, we're kind of working on that right now. It's always evolving and modernizing and you have to try to stay with the latest. So I think there's a balance where I think you want to reach all ages from, you know, eight to 80 or eight to 90, whatever you want to say. And so everybody has different um, interests, everybody like learns differently. Um, so that's why you want to, you want to have historical elements and graphic panels and texts that tell that story, but you also want to have interactives, whether they're like touch screens or whatever, um, stuff that you can use. Uh, we're, we're talking about it right now with like your smartphones where you scan a QR codes and, and so you're, um, maybe you get audio from uh, like someone like me and that, that, that tells a little more, more of a story from whether that's an artifact or whatever it might, might be. So you, you want to use all those elements and, and but technology is certainly one of those and it, it can really provide a, a great wow factor um, that really draws the visitor in if it's done right. Yeah, I know I love that about museums I go to is I love the historical side and like seeing Don Hudson's jersey, that would be really neat. And then if there's some other piece of technology there, like the the Vince Lombardi desk or like the Ice Bowl Theater, like that just adds to the experience. And I think you all do a great job of using both. And like you said, you want to make it accessible for all folks, regardless of age or learning ability or whatever it is. So I think, yeah, that's definitely um, a really cool piece. And I think a couple more questions I have. The first one was about like the exhibits themselves, where do those ideas come from? Because I know like the Charles Woodson exhibit, that makes a ton of sense because he was being inducted and being honored. But then as far as other exhibits go, do you like do stuff that interests you or you probably just think about from the organizational side, what story should we tell at the museum? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I think it's a balance. Yeah. Obviously, I I do like to, uh, it's fun to do stuff that does interest you but I try to look at it as from a fan's perspective like would I want to see that would I would I want to go see that but I'm really what we do is 
we have a list of ideas. Uh, we actually have uh, a temporary exhibit that, excuse me, that we do annually and that we change out once a year. And so we have like it mapped out for like five years, but it obviously changes involved. Like someone like Charles Woodson um, gets inducted uh, into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, then that's gonna change. We're, we're fortunate to win uh, the Super Bowl this year. Obviously we're gonna devote an exhibit to that. Uh, it could be like a few years back, we were celebrating our 100th anniversary. Um, so the exhibit we, we focused on was the origins of the team. Now that's obviously all throughout the Packers Hall of Fame as we tell that history and that story, but how can we do it uniquely? So we focused on that original 1919 team, how they were like all a bunch of just local guys um, that played at local high school, the local high schools, Green Bay East and West, their sizes, like they're, they're, they were frankly smaller than I am. And I'm just kind of like an average size guy. And so you're trying to tell that unique story. Um, so we're always looking and sometimes there's like connections yeah. to what's happening uh, in the football season or what's coming up. Uh, one of the ideas we've always had that we haven't done yet because the Packers are one of the few teams that have not played internationally yet. Although they, I shouldn't say they, they have done it in the preseason and stuff going back to our storied history. So we're waiting until we play in London or Mexico or wherever it might be. Okay. And then we'd like to do an exhibit on that and then tell where the Packers actually have played in like Japan and different and they've played in uh, in Mexico in the preseason and other states where they played so we we're anxious to tell that story but we're waiting for I guess the right opportunity to do that yeah I think it's neat that you have mapped it out a little bit but you're also you have to adapt like if they win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years then obviously you have to tell that story too so I think that's cool where you're you're trying to plan ahead, but you can't totally plan ahead. And it's, it sounds like a lot of fun to be able to kind of think through those ideas and then adjust as, as things go well um, for the team. So I think that's really cool too. As we wrap up here, Brent, I would love to have you talk about like a story that you have of either your favorite experience in a museum or like a fan that came in that was really emotionally impacted by an artifact or something like that. So uh, give us your best story, if you would. A great story. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's it's that's challenging. Um, I, I guess let me start by like because we're we're working on um, updating some some of the displays in our Hall of Fame, and so and even when I pick an artifact, I'm I'm looking for it to do one two things: one that it tells a great story, and two represents an historic moment, and then. I guess when I go in museums, because I obviously love and enjoy different types of museums, I'm looking not only like to maybe borrow ideas, um, but what will wow me? Like, because I've seen a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and so some stuff is, it doesn't necessarily excite me. So what what wows me? Yeah. So I, I know that's going to wow um, our visitors. But I guess the best story they're all kind of similar where it's they've donated like uh, an artifact that um, is really special to them or was in their family and then just seeing it on display and and feeling that pride 
um, like I just mentioned about Charles Woodson looking at that exhibit, but um, a great example is one of our Packer fans uh, collect, has a huge, they collect like beer bottles. They have saved them all various different ones. But one of the, one of the unique ones that they had was a beer bottle um, that had, was from a, a local Green Bay distributor um, and it had a 1936 NFL champion Packers label on it. Never been open. Wow. Really unique. Never had seen anything like that. And that's like one of those treasures I'm talking about. And they donated it. And then um, just having them putting it on display um, and having them come through with their family and seeing it and being them being proud and then being able to share that like that story. Like it's like just kind of was hidden and lost and then we found it and then we get to share it with all the uh, our great fans um, that come visit the Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we wrap up here, Brent, I'd love for you to talk about where we can find the museum, um, whether at Lambeau Field or online. Sure. So obviously you can uh, uh, check us out uh, at Packers.com. Uh, uh, and go to the, the, the Packers Hall of Fame link uh, directly. Uh, we, we do a lot of, not only we do uh, stadium tours, uh, 365 days a year, basically. Um, and you can you do a combo of both. We, we also do where heritage trolley tours, where you, we do a trolley tour and you can learn about the history um, of the Packers uh, throughout Green Bay, not just at Lambeau Field. So there's a lot of different, there's a lot of great history with the Packers in, in the city of Green Bay. Um, and then uh, obviously we're, we're located here uh, at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. You come to Green Bay, you, you can't miss it, but we're right inside right inside the stadium and we're, we're excited to have people come check us out yeah i'm excited for football as is brent and the and the folks of the packers hall of fame so thank you for your time today brent and this was just a really fun conversation and um, if i ever make it up to green bay i'll definitely have to stop by lambeau field and check it out yes definitely check us out thank you for having me and uh, it's been my pleasure yeah thank you Hello friends, my name's Sean Flynn and I'm the biggest Packers fan Andrew knows. I grew up in Elk Mound, Wisconsin and have long been a fan of the team. In this week's overtime segment, I'll be telling you about the founder of the Packers, Curly Lambeau, the namesake of iconic Lambeau Field. Go Pack Go! Earl Lewis Lambeau was born on April 9, 1898 in the great city of Green Bay, Wisconsin. After he graduated from Green Bay East High School, Curley played football at Notre Dame under the legendary Newt Rockney before an injury forced him back to his hometown. In 1919, when Curley was just 21 and working at the Indian Packing Company, he and local newspaper editor George Whitney Calhoun founded the Packers. They played all around the state of Wisconsin for two years. Then, in 1921, Indian Packing became Acme Packing. Curley, George, and Acme officials applied the Packers for membership in the American Professional Football Association, which later became the NFL. Curley was a feature back, but was also a great passer. The NFL looked very different in those days. Curley was one of the first to emphasize the forward pass, drawing from his brief experience under Rockney and his system at Notre Dame. 
Curley played 77 NFL games in the 1920s and was named to the All-Decade team. All the while, Curley was also coaching the team. His innovative passing attack led to three consecutive NFL championships from 1929 to 1931. Don Hudson, one of the best early wide receivers, joined the team in 1935 and had a Hall of Fame career with Lambeau as his coach. The Packers won three more championships under Lambeau in 1936, 1939, and 1944. In total with the Packers, Curley's record was 209 wins, 104 losses, and 21 ties. He went on to coach the Chicago Cardinals and the Washington Redskins for two seasons each after his Packers career. Lambeau was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a founder and coach in 1963. Curly Lambeau passed away in 1965 at the age of 67. That same year, City Stadium in Green Bay was officially renamed Lambeau Field in honor of the franchise's founder, player, and coach. Curley was a part of the first class of Packers Hall of Fame inductees in 1970. As the Pro Football Hall of Fame website puts it, more than any other person, Curley is responsible for the existence today of the Packers' unique small-town franchise. An iconic figure's legacy lives on in his hometown through the historic Lambeau Field. Thanks, Sean, for helping us learn about Curly Lambeau. You can find the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in the Lambeau Field Atrium in Green Bay or online at PackersHOFandTours.com. In the show notes, you can find links to the museum's website and social media pages, plus information on Curly Lambeau from the Hall of Fame. They have several events coming up this fall, so be sure to check those out. Thanks to Sean for his vocal talents and Brent for being a guest on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed episode 16 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Hallowed Ground on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss our next one. Also, leaving a five-star rating and review helps this podcast gain exposure on those various apps. Thanks in advance. I'll see you next time, sports fans.